0: and Welcome back to the LawCast. This time, we're going back to cover Randy Orton's disastrous first World Heavyweight Championship reign. It's Unforgiven 2004. But first, let's hit our one, two, three current wrestling stories of the week. First off, the WWE-UFC merger goes final. We're recording this Monday night. So I don't think it's official official. I think it's tomorrow is the day it happens, Tuesday. But WWE's merger with Endeavor is going to be final. Vince McMahon no longer the owner of WWE, but he will remain executive chairman, except he's on medical leave due to spinal surgery and also under federal investigation. So it's a little complicated right now
1: i posted on twitter earlier today but if anybody has any like really incriminating evidence that he's like stolen from the company again or Now's done something fucking time if you want vincent man gone he is now fireable for the first time genuinely ever
0: <laughs> i it do was, wonder if we'll i do wonder if we'll ever see him back in a position of power it's been very quiet on that front like his surgery was long enough ago that it feels like he could absolutely, like, could be back working, and we have not heard anything about that.
1: And I know that we like to play the game of, like, oh, we can tell when Vince is there when it's just Triple H and blah, 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 blah.
0: Definitely I, feels like he hasn't been around lately.
1: But, like, it genuinely feels like you can, because, like, the product, like, visually looks distinct when you his hands are on it and when they're not. And it, it, it's it been enjoyable lately.
0: Yeah. In terms of changes this is going to cause, I really think they're on the business end. I don't think this has an impact on creative. I don't think Ari Emanuel or anybody else at Endeavor has any interest or care about WWE creative. I think it's going to result in a lot of people in the office getting laid off because there's a bunch of redundancies created by a merger.
1: I do think that it's really interesting, too, to consider, like, I don't think the people who are in charge of these this double company now are going to be able to resist the urge to try to find ways to make both companies work the same way. Does that make sense?
0: Like, I would think there would be at least some synergy. Like, I would think we would see you know more crossover between the two companies. Maybe promote you know do a paper UFC pay per view and a WWE pay per view in the same city, the same weekend, that kind of stuff.
1: Right. But also, like, think about how UFC is run as a company. Um, It's generally, like, extremely top-heavy in terms of the people that they have. They really screw the shit out of people on the bottom end. If you ever hope for a wrestler union, that shit ain't happening. (laughs) This is bad Um, news for the actual wrestlers of this company. (laughs)
0: Well, there's one note. It seems like WWE's been under a hiring freeze since the merger was announced because there's a lot of pressure to keep costs down, increase profit, because the sale, I don't understand all the financials here, but the sale is contingent on stock and stock price. So they got to maximize the stock price right now. With the merger being final, it seems like the um, hiring freeze will be lifted and they will once again be able to sign new talent. Like perhaps the recently available CM Punk.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is that there's probably been like a number of people who they've already come to agreements with. They just had to wait until this yeah. was over. Like, I
0: know Kyrie saying don't, s- don't sign anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Kyrie's
1: coming back very soon. She's not even going to get her last start of match because it's basically right now. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. I'm sure there's other well, people like that.
0: L.A. Knight is reportedly in the midst of a contract negotiation and they're very far apart because they've been lowballing him. Definitely going to be following up on that one. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come.
1: That's very interesting because, A, I'm sure AEW would love to have him because he's extremely popular right now, especially with their specific audience. And B—
0: I can't tell you what I think he should be paid. I have no idea what his value is. Yeah, if you, like- if you go by his pops, one of the biggest contracts in the company, but there's no track record to back that up, he's been hot for a few months.
1: Like, the comparison I was making earlier today was just, like, he's that receiver who has, like, one good season after being yeah. kind of meh for his whole career. Like Joe
0: Flacco when he won the Super Bowl with the Ravens right as his contract came up, and yeah. boy, did he get paid.
1: Usually places regret it when you dish out that big-ass contract, but at the same time, are you willing to let him walk to your competition? I don't know, man.
0: Man, if I'm AEW, I'm salivating at the possibility of getting him right now. Perfect perfect fit for their product
1: and that's the thing too for them they can make all the money back just off of like one big ass pay-per-view and then whatever whatever he does after that who cares
0: uh story two brian danielson versus zach saber jr announced for wrestle dream finally going to get the dream match we missed out on it forbidden door 22 because of danielson's injury
1: just injected into my goddamn veins this is all all i care about in the world
0: um danielson also announced this is going to be his final year as a full-time wrestler which i definitely think is the right call i've expressed my concerns about his health at this point i'm glad he's going to wind it down I admire
1: him for this because this goes right along with, I think, like the what he said when he first came to AEW, like I got three years left in me and then I'm out. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. he's on the same timeline that he's always been on. Like,
0: yeah, he I came int- in 21, he'll be yeah, done in 24. I intend to do this.
1: He's like checked off all the boxes. Everybody he wanted to work with, he's like gonna do. He never got to work the G1 because I don't think his body could handle it, yeah. and I'm sure he'll like regret that baby. But like he's he's wrestled everybody that you would want him to wrestle like he it's, did everything
0: it's it's wait what wait for it it's the final countdown the
1: final countdown
0: oh uh, i hope he many, does like how an noki
1: countdown where he's just like 50 matches
0: all the matches he wants yeah yeah uh how many stars can danielson versus saber get is this the first ever eight star match
1: It's funny because I don't even know what this match is going to be because like, while while they're both technical wrestlers, they can both do a lot of other stuff for sure, but this might just be like a British wrestling. Oh
0: yeah. This should have rounds. This is going to be so European,
1: but it's funny because they could also just do comedy and just piss everybody off.
0: All right. Story three, Smackdown, likely moving on from the Fox network, um, The Wrestling Observer reports that SmackDown is likely to leave Fox at the end of the current deal. Sounds like Fox is not going to be willing to uh, do the rights fee increase. Um, Obviously, SmackDown's ratings have been strong. They've been getting better. They always win Friday night. But it sounds like the ad rates that Fox is able to get from wrestling just aren't worth the money WWE wants. So where are they going to land is the question. Does uh, USA bring it all in-house? Does it go to NBC? Uh, I've heard FX, which I believe is part of the ABC family, right?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Amazon is the interesting one I'm hearing. Sure, I mean, Amazon could afford it. I think it would work out fine for Amazon. It's the kind of move I hate for WWE just because I think it's the kind of thing that makes you money in the short run but chokes off your business prospects in the long run when you move to a more exclusive platform like that. Like Thursday night football's ratings fell at least, I think they're down like a third last year moving to Amazon. And that was from cable. I think I don't remember <coughs> Thursday night football was on broadcast the year before that, but right. yeah, big drop even I think from cable to Amazon prime in terms of the number of subscribers, much less broadcast TV, which you know everyone in the country can get.
1: I don't think that they're necessarily thinking about it this way, but if I were them, I would really be looking to get the longest contract I can get out of whoever will give it yeah. to me because that rights bubble is going to burst, baby, and you do not want to be out there like shopping those. when it happens.
0: Yeah, so if somebody's willing to just you know, commit for seven years, I'd probably take that, even if it's a little bit less money. Overall. And that's why
1: Amazon might be the right choice for them because yeah. like, they'll stroke a giant check for seven years and they don't care. <laughs>
0: obviously a story we'll be talking more about this one um i don't know what the timeline is for a deal here i feel like when they signed the big deal with fox that was announced about a year before it happened so i feel like we should be expecting a deal sometime this fall
1: that makes sense um i would definitely expect that like a deal will be easy to get done there are plenty of people who want this again the reason fox took it in the first place is because you just can't find programming like this
0: no, nobody, there's nothing else out there that's going to deliver you this many viewers for this little money. Because the only other stuff you're going to get that delivers viewership like this is the NBA and the NFL. And that's a hell of a lot more expensive than wrestling.
1: Yeah, if it seems like wrestling's expensive, just remember that people pay much more for like...
0: Uh, one game, and
1: hockey like and one, one
0: NFL game didn't um who was it didn't Peacock or somebody sign a deal to broad... Amazon's gonna do one NFL game one playoff game and it's like a billion dollars they're paying for one game yep
1: and like yeah. it almost makes sense because the rating you're getting off of that is asked like literally the number of people who are going to get Peacock oh, just for that
0: people will subscribe just to watch that game. But yeah. From WWE, you get 52 weeks of programming every single year for a billion dollars over five years, and it'll deliver millions of people every single week. Not and bad. like that
1: audience never goes away. Like,
0: so like, yeah. that's great. Advertisers still think wrestling fans are a bunch of rednecks and won't pay for advertising during wrestling shows.
1: It's so funny that they've never managed to change that stereotype because it hasn't been for rednecks since the 80s. What it is, it's it's not necessarily for, like, the greatest demographic in the world, but it's for, like, old divorced dads.
0: Yeah, who, I mean, who spend a lot of money. They have a lot of disposable income. People pay out the ass to get golf, and that's who watches golf.
1: Yeah, it seems incredible that they're not, like, approaching advertisers like, this is for divorced dads trying to make their kids happy on yeah. their shared weekend. So you should be selling to these kids.
0: Sell, we sell trucks. We sell dick pills. We sell beer. Not bad. Yeah.
1: If we were being realistic, there would be Viagra ads on every episode of Raw. <laughs>
0: Yeah, have you ever seen the average age of WWE's audience generally but the funniest thing is it's NXT that's by far the oldest the average age like I think the average NXT viewers draw on social security at this point it is funny, too,
1: because like as I watch WWE less and less, I'm like aging into like their target demographic. And I'm like, yeah. who the fuck is, uh, my age is watching NXT? What are you doing we're, with your life?
0: We're also aging into being old enough to be on their roster is the funny thing. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I'm going to be 35 next year. I'm old enough to get my run in.
1: Let's say I'm 38. I, I got like four years until I win my first world title.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's a wrap for our three current wrestling stories. Let's jump back in the uh, Wayback Machine and go to September of 2004. A deeply depressing time to be a fan of professional wrestling, as I remember. Um, what feelings does this conjure up for you? Once Benoit lost the title, I was done with this shit. It was over for me.
1: It's so funny that we said already talked about divorced dads on this show, because there's yeah. nothing that I feel like encapsulates this era and this time so much as like heavy divorce dad energy. Everything's just sort of angry. All the baby faces are like depressingly shit and getting like embarrassed on a weekly basis. The heels are all like monstrously horrible, but not in like a heat way, just in like a ew kind of way.
0: It was like the first thing I said when we got on this call was that this show had divorced dad energy. It does. That's exactly what you had been thinking. Like, it just
1: feels like, man, this is depressing. Like, there, somebody who was a man is angry, and this is what came out of them.
0: <laughs> so last month, we covered SummerSlam 2004, where Randy Orton beat Chris Benoit to become the youngest world heavyweight champion in wrestling history. We're going to pick up right where we left off with the next pay-per-view, which is a Raw-exclusive pay-per-view. For some ungodly reason, they were still trying to do Raw, Raw and SmackDown exclusive pay-per-views in this era every time i watch one of these i'm like god i wish we could get a few matches like i really wish we could have gotten a couple smackdown matches on this show this would have been a much better show if we'd gotten to see gotten to see kurt angle eddie guerrero rob van damme ray mysterio some of the stars of smackdown would have really strengthened this card
1: I've always believed too that like if you wanna do raw and SmackDown branded pay-per-views, okay. I don't think it's a good idea. But can we at least two go hours. back to like the in your house yeah. model? Yeah. Like
0: why two are hours, we trying five matches you can pull off four or five matches. That's the the third hour. And this pay-per-view was weirdly short. This was only this was barely two and a half. I think this clocked in at like two hours thirty-six minutes or something. And that's not a complaint for me. I could have cut that definitely could have cut the half hour. They dragged out some of these matches anyway.
1: And like, yeah, maybe you don't won't make as much money because you can't charge as much for a 2-hour show, but you could like pump some more pay-per-views in and like to like compensate for that because if they're shorter, you're not exposing your crappy product quite so much.
0: So the night after SummerSlam, Orton came out in a suit and did a heel promo about how the fans didn't believe in him. He asked all the male fans to stand up and take their shirts off to compare their physiques to him. He said the women didn't have to take their shirts off. That would come later. It was honestly a pretty good heel promo, but it was kind of baffling given what's about to happen.
1: It was a genius heel promo. If
0: if we accept... I thought he turned babyface the night before when he shook hands with Benoit, and yet here we are. Because... We've complained for so
1: long about, like, the Diesel thing, where, like, somebody turns baby face and Vince is immediately like, all right, now he starts kissing every baby in sight, and they lose whatever made that character special. Here, they do literally the opposite, where they're just like, no, he's going to stay exactly the same dickhead asshole he was before, but now we're going to try to make you cheer him.
0: Yeah, um... Reminds me a lot of Seth Rollins when Seth Roll when they first tried to make Seth Rollins a baby face when Triple H turned on him and they really didn't do anything to make him likable or I know I'm sure somebody thinks this is hokey, but I feel like when somebody's been a real piece of shit, I do kind of feel like they need to. Apollo, like when Jared one of Jericho's times, he turned face in AEW, he came out and apologized for all the shit he done, and that's old school and hokey maybe, but it really worked. Yeah,
1: and even if like you want to be have him come out and be like, I'm the greatest of all time, it's my era. But look, I know that when I was working for Hunter, I did some horrible, shitty things. But listen, this is that a new era. Me. This is a new yeah. me like shaking hands with Benoit made me realize that I'm the fucking greatest and I got to yeah. represent this belt.
0: It's a tough sell. And I, we agree. I think the right answer is he just should not have turned baby. No, face. this was just for whatever Vince just thought, you know, scene is going to be the baby face on SmackDown. Randy's going to be the babyface on raw for whatever reason. He didn't see those guys as the perfect yin and yang for each other. That Orton is the perfect heel to Cena's babyface. Like, I think
1: genuinely that, like, the right tact would be build Raw around a heel, build SmackDown around a babyface, and then one yeah. day they'll meet. That's the money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Once they're really over in, like, five years, that can be your new Rock Austin at WrestleMania. Yes. Not the right comparison, because Rock and Austin were both baby faces when they did big money, but still.
1: They were also both over. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and this time, neither one is.
0: Uh, That night, Orton was forced to defend the title against Benoit in the main event. He beat him. He retained the title. Afterward, Triple H and Evolution came out to congratulate him. Triple H gave him the big thumbs up. But then he turned it to a thumbs down, and they beat the shit out of him. Man, we just burned through six months of storyline in one segment.
1: Like... It's not even established. Like, we understand why Triple H would be like, no, fuck you. Why did you win the world title? But this isn't something that they ever established backstage. There weren't any promos before SummerSlam where Triple H is like, don't win that belt, man. Like, that's my belt. Like, know your place. There wasn't any of that. No,
0: there wasn't time for any of that because they had one week to build SummerSlam. I just... The comparison of the pace at which their storylines move today, how much slower and more deliberate, and frankly better they are today, and how much better business they're doing by... I mean, this, the, the Bloodline story has been running for three years for comparison. They, they would build months around one meaningful look from one guy to another. And here, they burned through this whole – this whole Orton-Triple-H thing could have taken place over the course of a year. And instead, they did it in two weeks.
1: The genius – and I understand, like, that's a troubling term for some people to use. But, like, if Triple-H does have a genius booking thing – It's that he understands that wrestling is mostly consumed now through like YouTube clips and like on social media. And he's just like, if I can just get one five minute segment that everyone wants to see, my product will stay hot. And that's all the bloodline has been. It's just a series of endless five minute, like, oh shit, did you see that shit? That was so cool. And like, that's what this is is missing.
0: (laughs) With wrestling it's 52 weeks a year you need long stories or you yes. just flat run out of them which we saw a bunch in this era where they just ran out of stuff to do so they ended up having to seen an orton wrestle each other three months in a row
1: and that's a really good point like when we were talking about like doing a so you think you can book for this um like basically it's all you have to do is stretch it out and it's fine
0: because and this That's good like I think stretching things is good, again, because yeah. you're filling time. You're letting the story really marinate, and your enemy in wrestling is the clock. You have so much to fill, you need long-term stories.
1: And there's so much about this story between these two that never really gets investigated. We never really get Orton even talking to Batista and Ric Flair, like, why did you choose him instead of me? There's no feud between like Orton and Batista. There was so much space for that. <laughs>
0: Raw on August the twenty third opened with a surprise appearance by The Rock as Whoa. he Jonathan Coachman's Diva Search segment. It's funny, this was very meta because I didn't remember this at all. So I just turned this Raw on. It's like, oh fucking Diva Search segment. I start fast forwarding. I'm like, wait, who's that dude in the tank top? I'm like, oh shit, it's The Rock coming out. <laughs> he introduced this segment. Was a disaster. He introduced the challenge segment, which was a pie-eating contest, won by the despised contestant Carmella as she sat on the pie, saying her butt was hungry. This
1: is one of the most legendary moments of television that I've ever seen live in my I've entire got a life. Lot
0: of, I've got a lot of Carmella in the lightning round.
1: Guys this woman sat on the pie in front of the rock. And like, I watched this clip pe- preparing for this because I knew we were going to talk about it. And the look on his face when she sits on the fucking pie for the pie eating contest and says, my butt is hungry. Like he is a professional for not cracking in that moment.
0: <laughs> Coachman then returned with la resistance and rock and Rhino and Tajiri. Proceeded to beat up La Resistance and coach. Had to sprinkle that rock dust on Rhino and Tajiri. That was what they were missing. Yep,
1: yeah, he had to bring the rock back to get Rhino over. That's That's the right choice here.
0: This opening segment ran 25 minutes. It was as long <laughs> as the Warriors debut. <laughs> In
1: your heart, which is the better segment?
0: Probably this one, because I like I watched that Warrior segment two weeks ago, and I can't remember anything he said, whereas I can remember a lot of what was said in this segment, even if it was a train rock.
1: Also, at least multiple different things happen and not just one person standing in the ring just saying gibberish for 25 minutes.
0: Um, later, Triple H explained his actions in that uh, Orton, like the Greek myth Icarus, had flown too close to the sun by winning the way he didn't actually compare him to Icarus. That's me. He should have um, <laughs> flew too close. was, you know, Icarus was warned. Icarus developed these wings and he can fly. He's warned. You know, that's great. You can fly, but don't fly too close to the sun. He does. The wings melt. He crashes and burns. Orton did the same thing by winning the world heavyweight championship. He jumped ahead of triple H in line. Um, you, you literally just Orton,
1: cut a better promo than this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, Triple H's was, you know, 15 minutes long for some ungodly reason. He, he said Orton had a haircut. choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With his greasy, long hair that he doesn't wet down. Yes. And his ridiculous suits and his belly fat coming out, cutting these terrible, overly long promos every oh. single week. 15 minutes of nothing from Triple H every single week in this era.
1: He'll get, like, a decent line in somewhere, and he'll be like, oh, cool, that's a great place to end. And then ten more minutes.
0: Yeah. And we both, Triple H has cut some of the greatest promos of all time. Oh, yeah. We've put him over many times, but this was not a good era for him.
1: Imagine what, like, creator and destroyer Triple H could have done with this storyline. Like, that's basically the same general idea.
0: Um... Orton came out to the ring. He teased he was gonna hand the title to Triple H, but instead he spat in his face and hit him with the belt before he ran away. Amazing how much Randy was allowed to spit on people, because Vince hates spitting. Yeah, it's
1: really just Randy. Really, in this these eras, if you look back, like only Randy got to spit on people. Only Randy got to hit women. Like Randy gets to do whatever.
0: To be honest, I would not be comfortable with Randy Orton spitting on me. I would. <laughs>
1: But we don't need to get into that.
0: Triple H found Bischoff backstage. Bischoff announced that Orton would have to defend the title against Triple H at Unforgiven. Man, we are really moving fast here. This is not how I think I would have done any of this.
1: No, it doesn't make any sense to already be going here. Especially, like, I would have just held off of breaking up Evolution for at least like a month or something. But, like, since you're already going there you're like months ahead of where we should be. This first match for them ideally should be at a pay-per-view that someone actually wants to buy. But mostly, you should be holding this whole thing off until WrestleMania. Like, you have to blow this off at WrestleMania. That has to be the plan. And we're like way too fast right now.
0: Well, they are, I think their plan is to get all the way to WrestleMania with this, but in a very unconventional way. This is Triple H trying to do his Ric Flair, Harley Race, NWA shit. Ugh. The main event segment that night was the wedding of Cain and Lita. Sheesh. An amazing moment here. Trish shows up in white lingerie to be the maid of honor and roast Lita. Because somebody had to wear white because God knows Lita can't.
1: This is... Trish, during this era, is the only thing in the whole company that's working, but she's on fire. Like
0: one of the greatest heels of all time here.
1: Just like, the fact that she was like the most goody two-shoes babyface, she turns heel by like cheating on Jericho, and then immediately like turns into a white-hot, absolutely like destroying people on the mic heel is one of the most unexpected things I can remember.
0: She also said she hoped Kane could, or that Lita could open her heart the way she opened her legs. This is
1: amazing.
0: Like... All time burns here.
1: This is, I'm just going to say, one of my favorite wrestling weddings of all time. Like, I know that this is horrible and it's going to sound so horrible, but this is like good comedy.
0: (laughs) Uh, Bischoff gave a toast. The wedding was interrupted by Matt Hardy, who... Got his ass choke slammed off the stage. Really, Matt, going through some rough times here.
1: The man loses a match at SummerSlam that he only got put in because he was getting his ass whooped so bad that if he lost literally the match,
0: literally gets cocked by Kane. Yeah,
1: that if he lost the match, his girlfriend got had to marry Kane. He loses that match, then shows up to the wedding and gets his ass whooped some more.
0: And also, it turns out that the baby that they were hoping was his is actually yes, Kane's. Yes, the baby is Kane's. <laughs> Fuck you, Matt Hardy. Okay, I was sure this was going to be interrupted, like, Shawn Michaels jumping out of the cake and sweet chin music and cane, but that didn't happen. Like, they just went through with the wedding, and he carried Lito away like King Kong. I
1: I would have given so much money for it to have been like, we got you a real sexy cake. A sexy boy cake, and then out comes Shawn Michaels.
0: The wedding segment gained one point two million viewers from the previous segment. It was one of the biggest increases of the year. Is this
1: the one where Snitzy comes out and reads reads the poem about how like or is that later? No, no, because no, the, the that's
0: that's a, that's Edge and Lita's wedding.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: Um uh, because everything has to be about Eugene, Triple H absolutely murdered him in a steel cage match on the go-home episode of Raw to get heat. That did you write him out for a while, I think, thankfully.
1: You would have imagined that that would have just been the end of the Eugene yeah. character, because that's a nope. great chance to do that. Nope, he comes back. He really only goes away because at New Year's Revolution, he, like, destroys his knee or something like that.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. Are you ready for a ruthless aggression lightning round?
1: A quick peek behind the curtain here. Sometimes Steve will be like, oh, man, I got some interesting stuff for the lightning round this week. This week, he gave me a list of things he was going to talk about that was so deranged. I have no idea where he's <laughs> going with
0: it. How we're going to get there. There's some good shit in here. All right, let's go. Bruce Pritchard was said to be the most de- despised person on the staff among the wrestlers. Can all believe that.
1: I want to know how the, that was found out. Was there, like, a survey submitted? Like,
0: they did a poll. They did a poll. Who do you hate the most? And Bruce won. Yeah,
1: we sent out a focus group with pictures of, paces and, like, pictures of faces of office people and darts. And, like, throw your dart at whoever you hate the most.
0: Man, Bruce above Lauren, I guess. That's saying something. This is what I'm saying. There's a lot of
1: hateable motherfuckers backstage. Paul Heyman's back Michael there. Michael Hayes, yeah. Eric Bischoff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bruce's brother Tom was released and as Nova famously said he would take for Tom and put one in Bruce
1: a legendary line it really is
0: what the fuck are they doing firing Tom Pritchard the dude trained the rock and Kurt Angle. He's just about the only guy they've ever had who can successfully train wrestlers, and they fired him here.
1: Isn't it weird that Tom Pritchard never had really anything to do with OVW when they were training dudes down there? Like, you have one He's guy that you know can of train. All time. Yeah. Why aren't you utilizing him? It doesn't make sense.
0: I think he was just fired because he wasn't a John Laurinaitis guy. This when Laurinaitis has taken over talent relations from JR, and he wants his own people in there.
1: We don't make enough of the fact that John Laurinius's run wasteland. as the head of AR is like a wasteland of talent. He yeah. hires nobody good, gets rid of everyone good, and like it's just bad decision after bad decision.
0: Yeah, it is a like Matt Millen with the Detroit Lions level run as GM. But he gets like ten years. Yeah, a lot of rope they gave him. And Man, the moment loved him. he was so good, he was so good looking, looked so nice in his suits.
1: And the moment he steps down from that position, like, it immediately gets better. Immediately gets better.
0: A number of wrestlers were fined for failing to comply with the new dress code. John Cena and The Undertaker were reported to be exempt from the code because of their gimmicks. Also, reportedly, Undertaker said his wife hadn't been able to go shopping and get him new clothes yet.
1: This is the funniest... Okay, So I remember when this dress code dropped because Vince was suddenly like, all right, wrestlers look like such goddamn assholes in public. And this is the era of TMZ being huge. So they would catch wrestlers like, look at this douchebag in a fanny pack and short shorts going to the mall. And Vince would be like, God damn it. Everyone wear suits now.
0: Yeah, this is also the exact same time the NBA implemented their dress code, but this one didn't have the element of racial panic that the NBA one did. God,
1: that okay? We're not. That's a topic for a whole 2000s sports podcast. But yeah, and so these embarrassing men, most of whom have probably never worn a suit before in their entire goddamn lives, if they were the kind of people who are going to wear suits, they wouldn't have gotten into wrestling in the first place.
0: Yeah, the only guys who dress nice are triple h and rick flair and batista
1: i just love the fact that michael ps hayes was probably the worst affected by this because he dresses yeah. like a goddamn dirt bag and apparently he, like he was so mad about it because he's like i still gonna wear my fanny packs
0: wrestlers and fanny packs, is it because they can't fit stuff in their pockets because their quads are so massive
1: well, a lot of it is, as I understand it, because you can keep a gun in a fanny pack for if a wrestler for if a right. mark runs up on you. Oh boy, you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Brock Lesnar was cut by the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the preseason, made it to the final cut, but he couldn't make the final roster. How
1: our world would be different if he had made that roster? Yeah. Um, I mean, he probably
0: in s- the NFL for 10 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, he may have washed out still and gone to the UFC and everything else, but most of the UFC thing just comes because he burns every other bridge and he has to go back to fighting.
0: Steve Austin and Diamond Dallas Page were reportedly pitching a reality show together. I would have loved that. What would Speaking that of even divorced been? dads...
1: I mean, we know what a Steve Austin reality show looks like. We got it with the Broken Skull Ranch thing. I mean, that's not really that far off. I
0: think it just would have been like these weird friends like living together. And I don't know. I'm sure you would have like teased that they were both going to train for a comeback. I feel like there's enough wacky hijinks they could get into.
1: Those two together in particular are pretty interesting because like
0: what a a weird friendship, because you would not think those two guys would hang out. But no, they are good friends. Like they traveled together in WCW seem very yin and yang.
1: Oh, yeah. You could go back to the footage like, yeah, we became best friends when we were two garbage mid carters in WCW that nobody liked. (laughs)
0: It was reported that the writers had projected the wrong raw for the finals of the Divas search because they had miscounted how long it would take for them to eliminate 10 contestants.
1: Oh, my God. And no (laughs) one catches that? Nope.
0: Come on. What are we doing? CM Punk reportedly dropped out of working an indie show after being asked if Rob Feinstein could be his manager at the show. Good job, Punk. I respect what? you for that. What so, remember last when we did SummerSlam 04 we had a note about Court Bauer trying to get Rob Feinstein in to be a manager at the show he was promoting? How it's the fuck did might- this is after the perverted justice thing. Like, this is after Rob Feinstein has been exposed as a sexual predator.
1: Like, the before the era where everyone in, in the indie wrestling scene was a known pedophile, like, the only known pedophile we had was this guy, who we had been exposed on fucking television as being one. And yet everyone in the industry was just like, oh, he's going to get the his eat, man, because everyone knows he's a pedo.
0: Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle were in a backstage fight that ended with Angle putting Guerrero in a front face lock.
1: Two things about this.
0: fuck, Eddie? Dude! Yeah. You're gonna try to fight Kurt Angle.
1: Like, of all the people who have ever been in the wrestling industry, I think, like, Ming and Brock Lesnar are the only two I'd less like to be in a backstage fight. Like, maybe if you can hit him with a brick, but not if you're gonna, like, grapple with him. And two... The front face lock is literally undefeated in backstage
0: wrestling fights. Yeah, nobody knows how to counter it. No, like, it's,
1: like, that is the thing you should do if you're ever at a bar fight and someone's charging at you. Just fucking lock him up, man. It's undefeated.
0: Especially if it's Punk.
1: Yeah, Punk can't get out of that shit at all.
0: (sighs) Oh, Meltzer called Triple H's defeat of Eugene in the cage match on Raw. Quote, the single most selfish performance I can recall. Fuck off, Dave! What the hell? I don't know what is that. Look, we we buried Triple H a lot on this show, but like, who cares about Eugene? And like
1: selfish,
0: the match only
1: Eugene's gimmick is over. This match only exists to get heat for Triple H. What do you mean? (laughs)
0: Yeah, who's about to challenge for the world title on a pay-per-view they're desperately trying to sell.
1: I just, there there were so many good reasons to hate on Triple H. Maybe not him specifically, but like the role that his character played in the company. But this isn't fucking one of them.
0: Former Oklahoma University quarterback and then-Congressman J.C. Watts beat up JBL in a dark angle at a SmackDown tape. And I guess Bill Watts was busy.
1: That is a very specific thing to have happened.
0: (laughs) J.C. Watts, national championship quarterback at Oklahoma. Wait, is that Bill Watts' kid? No.
1: Okay, I'm about to say, Uh, wait a minute.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. J.C. Watts is a black man.
1: Oh, fair enough.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Definitely not Bill Watts' kid then. Yeah, got it.
0: In her autobiography, Jenna Jameson said The Undertaker hit on her at a club in Las Vegas and threatened to beat up her boyfriend when she refused his advances. Scummy okay. dead man.
1: Listen, I we have no reason not to believe this.
0: <laughs> nope. It's very, it's very specific.
1: When you think about how long the wrestling community spent just like blowing The Undertaker over how respectable and everything he was... Boy, isn't it fun to keep finding out little tidbits here and there about what an absolute dirtbag he really was.
0: In a Divas search segment, the contestants were asked who should be sent home, and every single one of them said Carmella. All
1: right, put this into perspective. Who is this Carmella person, and why did everyone hate her so much?
0: I actually don't know, although I have a hilarious item about her later on. Because You like, just rubbed everybody the wrong way.
1: Like, I don't, I remember watching the diva search at the time, and I remember that everyone hated her, but for the life of me, I cannot fucking, and she kept, but she kept, like, getting vote because this is the yeah. one where they did fan votes, right? Yeah. She kept getting voted for, like, the fans liked her.
0: In a radio interview on Air America, Mick Foley claimed that Billy and Chuck were positive gay role models. Mick. Oh, no, Mick. What you know the better fuck? Than that. I'm disappointed. You know better than that.
1: This is post the fake wedding, right? Or
0: is this before it? Yep. Oh, that was two years ago. Oh, for fuck off, Mick Foley. Go fuck yourself. This This interview is probably why John Kerry didn't win the election. Holy shit. Jim Cornette missed an OVW TV taping due to a pipe bursting in his house and him being busy trying to salvage his collection of wrestling memorabilia.
1: So I and want his to put, Hamburg,
0: and his Hamburglar bed sheets, I assume.
1: I want you to imagine that you're Jim Cornette. Obviously, you're handcuffed to some kind of pipe in your house, and then yeah, suddenly it absolutely. bursts. Oh no! What do you say first? <laughs>
0: um, definitely the empty arena match between Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. Like,
1: I just imagine him like looking around his apartment that's just full of pornography and old wrestling merchandise. <laughs> like,
0: oh no! <laughs> what do oh. I say? A Diva Search segment included some of the most vile language ever used on a WWE show. Christy Hemi referred to Carmella as, quote, a cum-sucking gutter slut. Yo, like, and none <laughs> of that was bleeped or anything. They didn't censor it. Somebody was asleep at the Switch and didn't hit the seven-second delay.
1: They were probably just falling asleep, like, they're not going to say anything weird. A cum-sucking gutter slut.
0: Wow. Right. Wow. And finally, somehow, we have a hammer after all that. Oh, Jesus. It was revealed that Divas Search contestant Carmella was dating then-Cleveland Browns quarterback Jeff Garcia after she and another woman fought over Garcia in a Cleveland nightclub reportedly carmela swung around a pole to kick the woman in the head in a feat of athleticism that far dwarfed anything we saw on this show
1: okay wait i've got to take a second to process that cleveland browns quarterback jeff garcia which is a throwback in and of itself was dating this woman ostensibly before she came on the diva search i'm guessing
0: i would assume yeah
1: and this woman meets another woman in a club who also decides she wants to fuck Jeff Garcia, which I guess he's a catch in Cleveland, sure.
0: May have been his other girlfriend, for all we know. And this woman does a fucking
1: 619 on a stripper pole to hit her in the face. I think it was, I think it was Carmella who swung
0: around the pole. This is what I'm saying.
1: It's, yeah. And Carmella's just like, let me show you some of my skills, and does a six-one-nine on a stripper pole and kicks her in the face with heels. Just to that's clarify, amazing. This
0: is this is not Carmelo the Princess of Staten Island. This yes, is unfortunately,
1: Carmella. it is a different person.
0: <laughs> I really kick ass. She was, Car- that Carmella was probably like twelve when all this was happening.
1: Yes, that's un- Yes, absolutely. Wow, what a story that. And imagine, like, look, I don't want to, like, disrespect the good sound of Cleveland, but, like, Cleveland <sighs> nightclubs, not the most happening yeah. spots in the world. Um, So this is definitely the wildest shit anybody had ever seen in that club.
0: <laughs> like, I just remember hearing about this, like, from both. Because first I heard, like, there was this wild story about how Jeff Garcia, like, had women fighting over him in a nightclub. And then on the wrestling sites, it turns out it's Carmella from the Divas search.
1: And it's hard to imagine women fighting over Jeff Garcia because he looks like an uglier Trent Dilfer, which is an amazing thing to say out loud. Yeah,
0: he's not. Also, very little for a quarterback, like yes. barely six feet tall. And like Vince a, uh, Vince sure as shit wouldn't sign him. And he was, ass. was Daniel Bryan. He's not like a catch in the league. Come on, man. <laughs> that was a lightning round for the ages.
1: I can't believe. Good for Carmella for in the middle of all of that other shit, getting like three different spots on the lightning round.
0: She was just chaos personified. It was remarkable. It's amazing they didn't sign her because like if somebody's causing oh, what chaos a like eel. that, br- yeah. All right. So to to get into the show, it's Sunday, September the twelfth, two thousand four. We're at the Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon. Rare to see a WWE pay-per-view in Portland. I, For a long time, they wouldn't run Oregon because they still had an athletic commission. I guess by this point, the state had finally deregulated wrestling. Um, show does not draw well. 8,300 in attendance. 7,000 paid for a gate of a little under $500,000. This is a 20,000-seat arena. So once you... Like block off seats for the set and everything. Capacity would probably be more like sixteen thousand, so it's barely half full.
1: It's not great, but then again, why would you? So did you, you want watch to come the, the show?
0: show? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you watch the lead up? There, the only match on this show with more than like a two week build up to it is Law Resistance versus Tajiri and Rhino. <laughs>
0: Uh, the show does 239,000 buys, which is way down from 360,000 the previous year for Triple H versus Goldberg. But again, you can understand why.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, it's a bummer because you're trying to crown this new star, but like you have nothing around him. The story with him isn't any good. And ice cold. again, it's a raw brand pay-per-view. There has only been like one good one ever. And it was like, what, like, Bad Blood backlash. 03. Or, yeah, Backlash, yeah.
0: On commentary, of course, we got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. I'm sure we'll find occasion to bury Jerry Lawler tonight.
1: I want to give Jim Ross a little bit of credit on this show. because he
0: was trying hard. I liked—he did some good stuff tonight.
1: And there was a lot of stuff on this show that we're going to cover that he, like, takes pains to distance yeah. himself from. Like, I don't know about this. I'm going to try my best, but— uh...
0: On heat, Maven defeated Rodney Mack with Jazz in 4 minutes and 42 seconds.
1: For the quality of this show, they might as well just put it on the card. <laughs> Get that Maven match in here.
0: Opening package is all about Orton versus Triple H. Nothing particularly interesting here, other than the awful theme song for this show, which I didn't catch the name of.
1: It's by Saliva, which... yeah.
0: Not one of the better songs, which is saying something
1: we have outed Steve in the past for being a saliva fan, (laughs) which is lovely. And I'm glad that we've done that. But even by this
0: saliva is wrestling music like butt rock is wrestling.
1: Yeah, this is some bad butt rock, though. It doesn't even work for if you if you created a rock song that doesn't work for a wrestling promo, you fucked up.
0: Uh, JR and King welcome us to the show, and we're on to the opening match in which we're going to have Ric Flair and Batista teaming up against Chris Benoit and William Regal. Huh. All right. I mean, sure. Yeah, William would, Regal have preferred two singles matches, given the thinness of this card. Regal versus Flair would have been a ton of fun.
1: Is this the first time Regal's even been on television since Triple H killed him? during that eugene thing
0: yeah that was only a few weeks ago
1: so like it makes sense that he's here and like that like he and benoit are natural both tough badasses rico looks like shit in this singlet he's wearing
0: though is bad it's a horrible look weirdly i don't ever remember him and flair wrestling in wcw
1: no, that's one of those things that would have made so much sense, right? Like Regal and Flair is like a natural
0: match. They can just do like. I would really like, love to see those guys wrestle. They could do like
1: twenty-five minutes without ever performing a move.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty typical match. Regal gets worked over. Hot tag to Benoit. He hits the German suplexes, the diving headbutt. Gets Batista in the crippled cross crossface, but Batista lifts him up off the mat to slam him. That was pretty cool.
1: He deadlifts this man with no effort. Like, this is a hernia Guys, for, like, most people.
0: At least, I mean, Benoit, muscular, thick guy. Gotta be at least 225. Like,
1: I just want to imagine you, like, bending over at the waist and picking up 225 pounds. Oh. Like, by by leg, just by, like, their legs. Yep, no problem.
0: Uh Regal manages to take Batista out on the floor. Flair goes to put Benoit on the figure four, but Benoit counters into the Crippler cross face to get the win. Benoit accomplished the rare feat here of going from being in the main event of the previous show to the opener of this show. I don't know how many times that's happened in history. Please tell me I haven't triggered Stump Steve by saying that.
1: Uh, no, this is not the Stump Steve. Oh, God, God. That's a good one. That's interesting. You went
0: easy on me. I mean, the thing is, you'd have to exclude like the Royal Rumble match because then there right. would be a bunch of them. But yeah, going from like a singles pay-per-view main event to the opener of the next show is pretty rare.
1: And but like this is the right use for Benoit at this point. Like he still needs yeah. to be high profile because he's, he's still extremely over. But like what He's done in he... the main event. Oh yeah. Because the main event is just evolution and Triple H. And he can't do any more with Triple H. He's done everything with Triple H already.
0: I mean you could have Done the Orton, the rematch with Orton here, but I think that would have drawn even worse than the Triple H match did.
1: This would have been a really good time to get him in like a long-term storyline with like somebody who's like just underneath the like gateway, get them up, but there's Edge. nobody there. Yeah, Edge would be an amazing choice, but unfortunately, Edge is hurt.
0: And they, and they do and, to... and they do end up going to a feud with Edge almost right after this. That kicks yeah. off in October when Edge turns on him.
1: And that is good. Like that's a good yeah. idea.
0: Backstage, Trish and Christian argue over whether Tomko will manage Trish tonight. Trish whispers something in Tomko's ear, and he says he's going out with her. And then Christian says Trish is a slut.
1: So we've gone past the point where they're in a relationship now, is what it seems like.
0: Yeah, because like they broke up.
1: But it's such a shame because these three people together are an amazing stable
0: amazing also, triple H, christian all the way back then being a gigantic piece of shit, it's pretty phenomenal absolutely
1: he hadn't yet gotten to the point where he had targeted dads as being the thing that yeah. he was going to ruin about your he, life. you
0: sure as shit would be talking about how chris jericho's dad was on the road all the time playing in the nhl and never wanted anything to do with him.
1: but it's just so funny to go back here and you see like the evolution yeah. of now Christian now might be the purest incarnation of a heel I've ever seen in my entire life. What
0: a wild final act for him that like he could so easily just coast as respected veteran Christian. And instead he's like, you know what I really want to be the biggest scumbag imaginable who buries dudes, dads and tries to hook up with their moms
1: in an era where like heat is all but dead. Christian gets booed so loud you can't even hear his fucking promos. <laughs>
0: oh man! Next up for the women's championship, we've got Trish Stratus defending against Victoria. It's dancing Victoria, who does not seem to be much of a dancer. I, I ain't a the lady to she mess with. This character. I, How I do, we think, do we do? think do you, do we think she like went to the office Christmas party? And she got out on the dance floor and had some Elaine-style dance moves, and that's how she got this character. What do we think happened here?
1: It is legendary that, like, you are told by other wrestlers, do not dance in front of Vince McMahon. Because if you're good, that's your gimmick. And if you're bad, that's your gimmick.
0: Yeah, Kurgan famously, like, at the office Christmas party, turned out to be a surprisingly good dancer and never lived it down. It's just the
1: thing. Like I I don't know why he's so obsessed with that idea, but like Fondango, he found out that he f- kind of vaguely knew how to ballroom dance and that's all Vince wanted to know. Don't tell Vince you have uh, a hobby.
0: <laughs> it's a 6-minute match. Trish gets the win with the Stratus faction after Tomko trips Victoria. Nothing much going on here.
1: Yeah, this would. They've had really good matches in the past. This is certainly not one of them. And this Victoria is like, needs to be off television. It's just horrible. But the real story here is what happens after the match.
0: A, quote, mystery woman who is obviously Stevie Richards in drag hits the ring and attacks Tomko. Tomko demands Stevie come back out, calling him, quote, a cross dressing hermaphrodite.
1: Stevie Richards then comes back out and, like, let, let me just say this, like, no effort has been made to make this character look feminine in the slightest, because obviously it's, like, a joke. Ha-ha. Right? And then, like, Tyson Tomko just beats his fucking ass for six minutes, and then we're done. <laughs> this is gross,
0: guys. The crowd is dead silent except one dude tries to start an ECW champ. <laughs>
1: Like, he sees Stevie Richards and he's just like, oh yeah, let me honor ECW here while he gets beaten to shit. This crowd
0: was not feel in this show this match obviously but overall they were pretty dead all night
1: they were extremely dead like here's the thing about this is that this match like inspires way more feelings now than it would have then. then it's just like oh he's beating up cross-dressing stephen richards that's weird now when you watch this is it even possible to see this segment and not think like oh a trans woman is being lynched in the ring by tomco exactly what they're doing
0: I mean, I guess it's supposed to get Tomco heat, but it doesn't, because no one cares about Stevie Richards. No.
1: And, like, this is not unconnected to Victoria, even though they had had a previous relationship. So, like, why... This had, like, one week of build. They're blowing it off. they just like, hey, let's waste six minutes and make Tomco look good. And this is how they chose to do it. And you asked me before this show, like, hey, do you still think that the Ring of Honor opening segment... With the Christopher Street <laughs> connection is the most homophobic segment. Ring of, of
0: homosexuals.
1: History. Uh, the like first of all, pop for Ring of Homosexuals, the greatest thing that we've ever created on this podcast. If you haven't heard that episode, go listen to it. I still every once in a while try to design Ring of Homosexual shirts <laughs> because I think it's a fucking Someday. the only piece of merchandise we should ever have.
0: We'll be slinging those things on Patreon eventually.
1: Uh, but, like, you asked me if this was worse. It's not worse, but it is. It's almost more depressing because at least I get where the other one was coming from. At least that one got heat.
0: Yeah. Tomco wins with six minutes after a neck breaker. It's, this was really bad. Really bad. Very, very poor taste and also just not well executed either. God. It's just. This is.
1: And, and like, this has to be Vince. Like, if you think to who's backstage who's coming up with this kind of depressing shit, this one's Vince.
0: Next up, for the Intercontinental title, we've got a ladder match between Christian and Chris Jericho. We were going to get Edge versus Jericho here, but Edge injured his groin and had to be pulled from the show. He was stripped of the title, so we're going to have a ladder match to crown a new champion. Edge is back in a few weeks, so there was really no need to strip him. Having
1: Bischoff come out on Raw and be like, well, the 30-day must-defend rule has was going to be violated. Fuck you and that pretend rule that you never follow, ever. The Intercontinental title has gone dozens of times not being defended in a month.
0: Yeah, and it's... I don't necessarily love the AEW like interim title thing either, but it's just like here when he's going to be out three weeks, there's like, remember when AEW did an interim title because Cody got COVID and he was going to miss one defense. That was bizarre. Yeah. We can wait a few weeks for Edge to come back and wrestle again. You don't have to strip like a UFC guy. I don't think they'd get stripped if they were going to miss their one defense and they could fight a month later. Right, but I at least
1: understand the interim title thing because you want interim champions because that creates a big matchup later down the line, right? Like that's like
0: <gasps> uh, you got how many how many backstage fights have been caused by interim titles? Well, up
1: until like six months ago it was none, but now <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man Christian comes out to some music that sounds like high voltage would be using it on an episode of wSW Saturday night in ninety seven yeah it's what terrible jobber music and he like, had so many good entrance themes it
1: this is actually an interesting show to reference this but there's a lot of music that the wrestlers at this point want to have and they're getting told no because like there's obviously no like licensed music that they're letting go out but this is the same time where Christian's trying to get that Evanescence song and he desperately (laughs) wants it and he only gets it when he goes to TNA and
0: instead he uh, got Tattoo uh no it was
1: Waterproof Waterproof Blonde blonde, that's the one yeah yeah yeah. they sound like Tattoo and also when Orton turns face he begs Vince McMahon for Kill Switch Engage the,
0: the, the cm the, punk theme he that's did get that for one week
1: they got it for him that was his favorite yes. band he wanted that to he be he got his to come music. out to it
0: one time yeah and it was really weird and then never again he was but it desperate, was years yeah. after it was three years after this they let him use that song one time yeah he hated the burning my light song
1: and the funniest part was, like, they bought the rights to that song for him, and that's why they still had it to give to Punk. Like, they don't license music like that, but they just had it on retainer. So it was like, well, I guess we'll give it to this guy.
0: <laughs> Does that fit the—what ran- is the Randy Orton babyface character even? I, don't I mean, know you are a gigantic
1: defender of burn in my light, so—
0: that's a perfect heel theme. It was perfect for cocky shithead legend killer Orton. It's not a good babyface theme.
1: No, if you think about the Orton themes, they've all been spectacular heel themes from the Evolution one to Burn in yeah. My Light to Voices. voices what yeah. would a babyface theme for him even be? I because he's
0: never had a real babyface character.
1: Because he's not a babyface in any <laughs> aspect
0: of his life. Um weirdly they fight out into the crowd which i feel like doesn't make a ton of sense in a ladder match
1: i mean they're just trying to buy time again okay. we've come to the tail end here too of the of the era of the ladder match like what is there left to do in a ladder match especially for these two guys like it was
0: like the era where they were doing a ladder match for the intercontinental title basically every month
1: and like there's there's no new spots to come up with Like, neither one of these guys wants to take a huge bump. Christian just came off the shelf, and Jericho's not really that guy.
0: (laughs) Uh, Christian looks like he's going to win the match. He's at the top of the ladder, but Jericho gives him the finger, so Christian climbs down to beat him up some more. That that
1: makes no fucking sense. Come on now.
0: Uh, There's a really bad bump at the end of this match where... Uh, Christian pushes the ladder over and Jericho just kind of falls straight down and lands on the ladder. He's very fortunate he didn't break his tailbone here. I think luckily for him, it was his ass cheek that hit the ladder, and that's plenty of padding.
1: Yeah, but yeah, this looks brutal. And they basically yeah. just go half speed for the rest of the match.
0: Yeah, I just, it's so sad when you have a match like this where guys are taking big risks. And genuinely hurting themselves. And they just can't win the crowd over. Because there's no heat. There's no backstory, And the crowd has seen every ladder spot imaginable at this point.
1: Yep. And speaking Uh, of ladder match, before we get away from this. uh, I just wanted to tell you that you've triggered Stump Steve. No! Oh, no. And this is not going to be an easy one, my friend. I've lost too much recently. (laughs)
0: How many Intercontinental title ladder matches have there been? That would be a good question, but this one might be a
1: little bit easier, but it's trickier than you think. I have a list of the five people who have been in the most televised ladder matches in WWE history. Okay. They are nine nine ladder matches, 11, 12, 12, and 13. Can you name these five men? Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's number one with 13. Absolutely. That's a gimme. Edge. Edge is not on the list.
0: Oh, Jericho.
1: Jericho is not on the list. Fuck.
0: Um,
1: This is as of 2021, by the way.
0: Matt Hardy.
1: Matt Hardy has 11. He's number four.
0: Okay. Um, Christian?
1: Christian is number two. He has 12.
0: Wow. Bubba and Devon.
1: Neither one. Mm. You're missing uh, tied for second with 12 and number five with nine. 12. I'm going to tell <laughs> you right now.
0: That- I was thinking we're, they were all the TLCs, but yeah, maybe it's uh, some guys who are in a bunch of money in the bank.
1: Let's say the person who is tied for second is the reason we're doing this because he's the one that makes it hard. <laughs> hmm.
0: Shelton Benjamin.
1: That is a great guess. No, he is not in the top five. Yeah,
0: he just wasn't. I mean, he was in a number, but his run just wasn't as long as some of these guys.
1: It's got to be somebody who was who has been around forever or was around forever. Kane. Great guess. No.
0: <laughs> Kane's been in more ladder matches than you would think. Yes. I'm going to tap out on this one. You got me.
1: Okay. Number five with nine is Rob Van Dam. Mm, and, yeah. and with twelve is Dolph Ziggler.
0: Oh yeah, because he was in. Well, I mean, he was in a bunch of Money in the Bank and a bunch of Intercontinental Title. He yeah, even he wrestled had that Cena match. that one time. Yeah, he
1: had, they had one with Luke Hart. He would like to be the main event of TLC every year for a while. Yeah. That
0: was a good one. Uh, Dolph Ziggler is always a good guess when it's a longevity record.
1: Yep. All right. Official record four and ten. I'm catching oh. up. <laughs>
0: God, that's a very Detroit Lions record. <laughs> uh, Jericho wins. He sure this does. Is not the greatest match.
1: No, this this <laughs> is one of the shittiest ladder matches of all time, and it goes that's forever. What you describe sounds like minutes. twelve minutes. It's twenty three minutes.
0: Yeah, man, this the back half of this show, like. We got to the point where there was three matches left on this show, and there was half the show left. The back half of the show was a death march.
1: And, like, I've never seen a ladder match where the fans were less interested since the first one, where they honestly just didn't seem like they even knew how to react.
0: Backstage, Todd Grisham tries to get a word with Kane, but it's Lita who answers the door. She says she hopes Shawn Michaels destroys Kane tonight. Kane then announces that the match is now a no disqualification match and forces Lita to kiss him.
1: I'm of two minds on this. One, Lita and Kane are doing some great work here. Like, Lita's acting is surprisingly good, considering that Lita has never shown any aptitude in that area. And Kane is acting as incredible as this, like, scumbag monster. But I still don't want to be watching it. (laughs)
0: Then Coach interviews Jericho. He asks Jericho how he feels. Jericho asks him how he thinks it feels. Talks about how hurt he is, but he says he also feels like a king and a champion. Edge then shows up on crutches and says he'll be the champ. And once his injury heals.
1: Like, you would think this would be a hot match because they seem like they have, like, something going on. But, like, can you think of any time in your life where you actually wanted to see that match take place?
0: No. It's, the it's time just, they wrestled WrestleMania, it sucked.
1: It just doesn't click between those two.
0: Chris Jericho has terrible chemistry with so many people.
1: Isn't that interesting? There it cannot be a wrestler more generally considered to be great who has had such atrocious chemistry with so many people.
0: I've never thought Chris Jericho was a great in-ring wrestler thought he was a great character great personality great talker great mind for the business but yeah the wrestling ability to me i always thought he was overrated
1: the perception of chris jericho as a great wrestler is completely based around people thinking that cool movesets equals great wrestler and it really doesn't
0: <laughs> now he wrestled a style that people really liked and he wrestled a lot of really good people because he wrestled Chris Benoit yeah. worked with Guerrero and Angle and great wrestlers in the mid-card in the WBF in the early thousands. That's Chris kind of Jericho like has
1: had hundreds from. of good matches. He has ne- maybe never had a great match.
0: Sean, said, I think some of the Shawn Michaels <laughs> matches were great. Yeah, because it's Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah. But we're this Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels match isn't great. No, it is not. No disqualification match. Kane versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, Back in the summer, Kane assaulted Shawn and crushed his throat with a chair, putting him out for months. This was cover. um, Shawn wanted to take some time off because him and his wife were about to have a kid, which, you know, good on Shawn's part that he spent a few months at home helping his wife take care of their newborn. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, Bischoff gave Kane an open contract for Unforgiven. As a wedding present, and Lita wrote Shawn Michaels into it, which she can do now that they're married.
1: Not enough has been made at all in wrestling of this idea that, like, hey, if you sign a contract, we're married, so both of us have that contract. Fuck yeah,
0: you know, you know, Sean told her she could do that. Shawn's yeah, Shawn's right just up like on all the contract law.
1: Hey, did you know that uh, clause 16b on page 834 of the rule book says you could do this? I'm the only one who's ever read it. <laughs>
0: Uh, Sean is sticking and moving early in the match. Kane cuts him off with a shot to the throat, and then suplexes Sean through the announce table. Do you know that Sean's weird eye is because Kane hit him really hard one time? I think it was. Are right? you serious? It was yeah, that's where the weird eye came from.
1: I had no idea.
0: It it detached his retina, I think.
1: Okay, that's bizarre. Okay, I've always wondered why his eye just started kind of migrating slowly to the side over time. And, like, I just yeah. thought that that's something that happened to people. But I had no idea that Kane did that to him. That's crazy.
0: Uh, Sean makes a comeback. Kane cuts him off with a chair shot to the head. Sean blades. Sean makes another comeback. He hits the flying elbow. This is I kind of noticed. I mean... I, No shame in it, but, like, Sean's cardio doesn't feel like it's where it normally would be. But, you know, he's been off the road for months at this point.
1: Also, like, as much as Kane tries his best, like, that's a tough assignment to get on your first match back from injury, right? (laughs) Like, you're kind of rusty.
0: you can't lift Kane. He's so big.
1: Yeah, you're not ready to be a bump machine yet.
0: Sean sets up for the sweet chin music, but Kane cuts him off with the big boot. Kane hits the flying lariat. He signals for the choke chokeslam. Sean punches him in the dick, nails him with the chair. Uh, Kane actually gets to his feet first as Sean collapses and Kane sits up. Kane grabs the chair, but Lita gets it away from him. That distracts Kane for long enough for Sean to sit up and hit Kane with the sweet chin music for the pen. Not the greatest match.
1: No, it accomplished what it need to. That was one of the worst Sweet Chin musics that Sean has ever done. This is a bummer. Also, again, 18 minutes for a Kane match. Any Kane match is 10 minutes too much.
0: Now, here's the thing. If you weren't going to turn Orton face, and you shouldn't, Sean is the perfect opponent for heel Randy Orton here. Yes. <laughs> how many times, did, how many times did they pull Sean off the bench to wrestle Randy Orton when he was the champion? It definitely happened more than once,
1: but like, uh, just imagine how good of an, I like some matches that they could have been having at this point. Like,
0: yeah,
1: it could have been incredible. Also, wait, I didn't even Shelton think about Benjamin. this. If you keep Orton in evolution, and kick Triple H out and a Triple H turns face, then you can do DX versus Evolution. Yeah.
0: Oh, I have this whole thing. What if you did uh, the click versus Evolution at Survivor Series?
1: Dude, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. You can get Nash's, I mean, maybe Nash is already signed with TNA, but Nash's contract just expired. So if you're thinking ahead, you could have re-signed him for that.
1: That's wild. That's a great idea.
0: Uh, we get a promo for Shelton Benjamin. I have no idea what he's returning from. I don't remember him being absent, but I guess he has been for a couple months here. It was just really
1: funny because when we were talking about like my pitch for what you could do, like I wanted Shelton Benjamin in Evolution as the replacement for Randy Orton. That just makes so much sense. So finding out that he was literally coming back right at this moment would have made that perfect. <laughs>
0: Grisham interviews Triple H, and it's not in event time because instead we have a bonus match as La (laughs) Resistance defend the tag titles against Rhino and Tajiri. Bonus match definitely in quotes there.
1: Well, it's not even a bonus match because this is the only match built to. (laughs) This is the one that they gave the rock shine to.
0: They've been building this since before SummerSlam. And it's just,
1: who gives a shit about any of these four guys in 2004?
0: La Resistance are no longer French. They're now proud to be from Quebec.
1: I mean, that's fine, I guess.
0: Uh, Granier starts singing Oh Canada as the crowd boos. He's interrupted by Rhino's music. Yeah!
1: Yeah! American hero
0: unfathomably this goes over 10 minutes almost not quite 10 minutes almost 10 minutes
1: you know how we were saying that we should do something about like the lineal greatest match in wwe history at any given time <laughs> i want to do something just for you on patreon that's like who is the biggest star from michigan in this company at any given moment and right now baby it's the master of the
0: gore oh it's rob van Maybe. <laughs> Rob Van Dam is a bigger star than Rhino No, of
1: course he is, I know But he's not on this show No
0: (sighs) Rob Van Dam, proud son of Battle Creek, Michigan
1: A place that I thought was fake for a very long time
0: (laughs) Oh, it's real, that's where Kellogg is located Oh, I know, like
1: I'm aware I just had no, it sounds fake (laughs) Like every city in Michigan
0: Like reindeer
1: Yeah, in hell
0: Finish comes as Rhino hits the gore, but Conway puts Sylvan's foot on the ropes, and then Gragna uses uh, his flagpole to knock Rhino out and a resistance retain.
1: Using the flagpole like this, he usually literally grabs it and just, like, chucks it directly into his eye. Like, that seems dangerous as hell, man.
0: All right. Roll the package for the main event, and let's get out of here. For the World Heavyweight Championship, Randy Orton defends against Triple H. Triple H wearing the white boots. He's feeling himself. That's big match, Triple H.
1: When Triple H actually gives a shit about a match, he communicates it so clearly, and I I love that about him. (laughs)
0: You knew he was getting the belt tonight when he came out in the white boots. It was over.
1: Oh, if he was doing the job, he would have had the Harley race, like, weird mustache, like, a mutton chops, and wearing the black boots. Some long boots.
0: johns. Oh. Uh, Orton gets a very mild pop on his way out.
1: This is a bummer. I, and, like, there's no reason you should cheer him, but, like, you are one month in to crowning your new top baby face, and nobody cares.
0: For comparison, like, what an amazing baby face MJF is turning out to be.
1: The fact that MJF can, on a dime whenever he feels yeah. like it, be it a gigantic baby face or a hated heel, is something unlike we've really seen in wrestling in my lifetime. Like, most people are not good at both.
0: How many people? Yeah. How many people are genuinely great at both? Would you say Shawn? Would you say Shawn Michaels was genuinely great at both?
1: Yes, but not at the same time.
0: That's a good point. He was really only a good babyface later in his career. Um, Eddie Guerrero.
1: Eddie Guerrero was great at both. Yeah.
0: Rare company.
1: Like I, I I'm struggling to think of another one. Yeah. Like especially to Ogan. have it with. Have it within you to be both at the same point in your life. That's the hard part. Like, but
0: H- yeah, and Hogan didn't ping pong back and forth. Those were at different points in their career. His career. Yeah, I don't think Hogan could have
1: summoned Red and Yellow Hogan in '97, and I don't think he could have summoned Hollywood in '89. You know, it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, not. I'm sure there's some people we're not thinking of, but there's not a lot of them.
1: I think maybe Piper's
0: up there. Yeah,
1: but yeah, it's this short list, man, of the greatest of all time.
0: This is a very long, ponderous, plot-in match.
1: Of, of course this match would have to be, like, Triple H, Ugh. like, working the leg for 20 fucking minutes.
0: Both these guys, their matches can be a little sluggish. Yes. They work when you put them against somebody else, like, you know... Triple H worked great with Sean because Sean brings all the energy. You know, Randy worked really well with Rey Mysterio. because Mysterio, you know, It was always him trying to slow Mysterio down with them against each other. It's just neither of them is bringing any fire to it. And Or later would develop like good babyface fire for his comebacks, but he doesn't have that yet.
1: I also want to point, like, let me pitch you an alternate version of this match. One in which Triple H is super smarmy about the advantage. Orton hits him with an RKO, and then we immediately fast forward to the finish where Evolution runs down. <laughs> and it's like a five-minute match. Would have been a lot match. shorter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Would have gone for that. Instead, this was I don't know, 25 minutes. Like felt like 45. They damn. They could have done been doing like Canadian
1: destroyers and Spanish flies in this, and I wouldn't know because I fast forwarded through most of the middle of it. <laughs>
0: Just, it didn't matter. Once Triple H got the advantage and started working the leg, it just went on and on and on. Oh, man. So, at the finish, Orton goes for the RKO, but Triple H blocks it. Triple H pushes him into Earl Hebner. Hebner's out. Orton hits the RKO, but there's no referee to count. Flair and Batista hit the ring. Orton fights them off. Triple H hits Orton with a low blow. For some reason, Jonathan Coachman runs down in a ref shirt. There's a there's a funny backstory here. There was apparently supposed to be some like a segment with Coach and Bischoff explaining this coach as the referee thing.
1: That would have made no, sense.
0: <laughs> no one told Bischoff and he left the arena early. So they're scrambling around trying to find him. And finally, somebody calls him and he has to be like, sorry, I'm two I'm two hours away. I didn't know I couldn't leave, which I think he broke the rules here, because my understanding of the rules is you can't leave without checking out with some, like You have to check out with, you know, Bruce or Michael Hayes or somebody high up the food chain. he would be like, yeah, you're done for tonight. You can go.
1: Like I can't really blame it. Like once the show starts, you're not doing like pre-tapes. And at that time, that's really all he was doing.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I st- I don't and I don't know whether they they may have established like the checkout rule because of this.
1: Right. Um, but,
0: like but- there's
1: still a way that you could have done it though. You could have just shown coach walking down the hallway in a referee uniform being like, "I'm the backup referee." But they do nothing. They just say they just have the commentators try to explain it.
0: Uh, Batista hits a spine buster. Coach counts two, but Orton kicks out. Triple H goes for the pedigree. Orton backdrops out of it, and then he nails Coach with an RKO, which is the best spot of the match.
1: This thing where, like, they're doing, like, chain wrestling, and then Orton just, like, immediately seizes opportunity to RKO Coach rules. That's the best part of this match.
0: Orton hits Flair with the RKO. Then he punches Batista in the junk. And then he nails Orton with a chair, or Triple H hits Orton with a chair and pedigrees him, and Hebner gets back in the ring to count the one, two, three, and Triple H wins. Unbelievably, Randy Orton's first World Heavyweight title reign is over after barely a month.
1: And the response to this in the arena is silence.
0: Yeah, not me.
1: This might be the quietest I've ever heard a main event ending be. Like nobody cares and, and everyone's upset.
0: <laughs> what do you, so I think the plan at this point is that they're going to do a long chase. Like Orton's not going to be able to get his title match against triple H until he wins the Royal Rumble. And then he can wrestle him at WrestleMania and beat him for the title. Over the course of those six months, they will lose faith in Orton and decide to go with Batista instead is my best conjecture on what happens here. But I have this feeling that Triple H has already kind of lost faith in Orton. And I mean, it's not Triple H's decision to do this. So I, I don't want to say Triple H intentionally sandbags Orton here. But if you're trying to kill Orton off, as a conceivable top babyface, this is exactly the booking to do it. I think Devon lose the title this quickly.
1: Somebody in all of this realizes that Randy Orton's not going to work as a babyface, and, and immediately right. start. Yeah. And immediately starts pouring cold water on this shit. And if it were triple H so that he doesn't have to spend the next nine months of his career trying to put over something that won't work, I wouldn't blame him for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, to get but to, we, it was much better off that we got Batista as the top babyface instead. So great, no complaints about that. I if they they should have just kept Orton as a heel and had him turn on Triple H and kick Evolution, kick Triple H out of Evolution was the way to go here. But yeah. you know Triple H never seemed to want to play a babyface, so maybe they pitched that and he wasn't interested. I don't know.
1: I just. Every time we come back to this, like we try to find ways to make it work. And sure, there are ways that you could do it better. And there, are like, it would be great if Orton could stay a heel. And but they wanted him to be a babyface, And there are ways that you could do it better, but they wanted it to be fast. There, There's if you're going by Vince's expectations, there's no way to save this booking because there's just no way to make this work. There's no universe yeah. where Randy Orton is John Cena. It just isn't the case. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it just it's cat it's just such basic casting to me like if you're casting a movie randy orton is gonna be the bad guy yes. Just look at him he especially in this era just looks like a villain he looks like such an asshole
1: like he's too perfect oh <sighs> and my favorite part was when they start trying to paint him as like an everyman triple h does a promo on the show which goes on for 55 minutes and a big part of it's just like Randy Orton was just a regular guy before I found him. Yeah. Oh,
0: the guy no, in the
1: best shape
0: of him. any human being ever.
1: <laughs> the Third best looking man on the wrestler. planet.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's just, they don't get it. They, there's no good way to try to poke him as a bit, but I just don't understand. It's so strange to me that Vince gotten got it in his head that Orton should be a face. Especially after all the shit he's done. It's going to take a lot of work to get the crowd to cheer him after what a bastard he's been. Like,
1: Arguably, he's been even worse than Triple H during that period. He's the guy who kicked McFoley down a flight
0: of stairs. And at least you could... By this point, Triple H has been around long enough that at least you can respect him as a veteran. I
1: just... I don't know, man.
0: This was a big swing and a miss. And this... This, like Ort. How long does it take Orton to get back to this level? It's not till he starts doing Psycho Orton, and that's like 2009, I think.
1: Yeah, they get him to like that age of Orton stuff, where like he's like has like two Decent. belts and he holds the belt for forever. But that was all right. But yeah, it's not until Voices that he really becomes a big star again.
0: And then they kill all his momentum with another soul crushing loss to Triple H.
1: Unfortunately, Triple H being in his universe Final is what boss. constantly... Yeah. It's his life.
0: I know he did. It feels like he never beat Triple H in his entire career.
1: I mean, I'm sure at some point he had to have, but I couldn't fucking he tell did. you when.
0: He, um... I'm sure he did. He has to have. They wrestled so He beat many him times, at that
1: but... No Mercy where Triple H had to defend yeah. the belt like three times.
0: That was awesome, actually.
1: That was a great show.
0: Yeah, this wasn't... This show sucked. This was this horrible. Show...
1: Honestly, we've covered some it's of the fucking depressing. most... Ho- this, like, literally, you're putting out, like, the UWF, like, Blackjack Brawl or whatever <laughs> that
0: we covered. i watched Blackjack Brawl.
1: Dude, I enjoyed that more than this, because at least there was an original thought. At least I didn't feel like I was spending time with my divorced dad on his couch in his room that he doesn't have any furniture <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> he sleeps in a race car, does your mom?
1: Literally, it's just, like, a TV and a couch, and that's all he's got. (laughs) And you're just watching, like, Mythbusters.
0: Sleeps in a Lazy Boy. Oh, man. All right. Next week, we're going to cover some weird shit. It's a show we've been talking about doing forever. It's Unforgiven 2008, the one with the scramble matches.
1: The one with the... Every single time we sit down and we're like, let's carve out the next several months. These scramble matches come up again and again.
0: And it's just we've because. We've talking about doing these since we started doing this show and we've never gotten there. And we're finally doing it next week.
1: Because it's utterly inconsequential. But we've just got to talk about it because of like the madness that went into even doing this in the first place.
0: To do one of them was kind of crazy because the rules are insane. To do three of them is unhinged.
1: And like, in it, I I wish so much that the championships that changed hands within the match counted as championship wins because then we'd have like two-time champion the Brian Kendry. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. These are some, man, it would have been, a, who is in those matches would have been a good stump Steve question.
1: Oh, man. But also on the show, we got Legacy versus Crime Time,
0: sure. Yeah, the debut of Manu.
1: Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. Oh,
0: yeah, that rules. That's the real man of Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho in a street fight.
1: Every single match on this show, Goes 20 minutes, except for the tag match, which goes 10, and the women's match, which goes 5.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a real slog, but I'm very, I am so curious. I don't, it's been, I've never rewatched this show since it first happened. I think I've rewatched the Sean Jericho match yeah. once or and twice because I do love that match.
1: And this show has one of the greatest endings in all of wrestling yeah. history, and I can't wait to
0: get to that. They pulled off an all time twist there. And we get to Barry CM Punk, which is always a good time.
1: Hell yeah. Tis the season, baby. Let's go.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Love all that and more next time on The Lawcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.